Hey everyone, welcome to the Wake Dad Drink Repeat Podcast, where today's dad is concerned if he gets one more robocall, <laughs> he's gonna lose his shit. I'm Anthony Palmer. I'm Michael Smith. On this week's pod, we're mixing it up. Mixing it up, sir. It's time for our very first dad to dad dad talk. What'd you say? I said dad to dad dad talk. That's a lot of D's. Especially with as much bourbon as I've had tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Dad to dad dad talk. I love it. Yes. So as promised, we are finally bringing our interview episodes your way. So we're going to sprinkle these guys in as often as we can. Um, Michael and I have already been in the process of interviewing some really badass dads, and we are super fired up about sharing their stories with you guys. So we're here to tell other people's stories about their journeys on being dads, being parents, their professional life, um, all walks of life. We're here to, to talk with these people. Yeah, some of these guys you may have heard of before, some of them may not have, but we're sharing their stories because their stories are inspirational, their stories are humbling, their stories are unique, and at the end of the day, they're relatable because we're all dads. Absolutely. So our dad-to-dad dad talks is going to be all about bringing the guest stories and their journey to you. So we want you to sit back and relax and calm down and enjoy the mind-blowing <laughs> stories. down. Everybody just calm, just calm down. down. And enjoy the mind-blowing stories from our dad-to-dad dad talk series. We've started with an amazing, epic individual who is also a father. Yeah, he is. So we started with Chef Simon Hall. Simon is based here in Knoxville, Tennessee, like yours truly. Uh, Simon <laughs> is a dad to six. Yeah, everybody needs to know where I am. It's important. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Very um, important. <laughs> Simon is a dad to six um, that he adopted. And uh, he's a single dad and um, is just an all-around badass. I really enjoyed sitting down and talking with him. Uh, hearing about his journey through sobriety, his journey through adopting these kids, um, him professionally as a chef and where he's at in his life now, and taking a step back to um, look at his business and look at his life as a dad and decide kind of where to place the priority and how to do that. It's, a, it's, a, it's an awesome episode. Um, it's an incredible story. Yeah, it really is. We are. Uh, I'm very humbled to know Simon, and I'm beyond appreciative of him taking the time to sit down and talk with us. And we are grateful uh, that he was our first uh, interview for our Dad to Dad Dad Talks. Perfect. Couldn't, couldn't be any better. So before we go any further and smash play on this interview, uh, what the hell are you drinking tonight? Sipping on the old reliable. Got a little Jefferson single barrel single barrel in the glass tonight. I can do mm. D's, but I can't do B's apparently. Mm. That's all right. <laughs> Speech is hard. It's a hard thing, especially the English 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 language. Excuse me. Uh, uh huh. Uh huh. I'm on uh, old trusty rusty as well. I'm on my twin year, uh, twelve year twin Glenfiddich. Year. <laughs> twin year, twin year. I'm on my twelve year Glenfiddich man. This is going great. All right, without further ado, let's uh, stop talking about what we're drinking and uh, please enjoy our very first dad to dad dad talk. Roll it. All right, Simon. What's up, brother? Hey, man. Thanks for coming and doing this with us today. Hey, I am so excited. I'm excited to have yeah. you. So. Um, Full disclosure, we've known each other for 
I don't know, a year-ish and change now, like known each other. Sure. But I guess we've kind of have run around in some of the same circles. We put together that I went to high school with your brother and sister. Yeah. After. Much younger than I am. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Um, Which means I'm much older and wiser than you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's amazing I'm not on your podcast. (laughs) That's probably what it should be. Mm. Um, But I appreciate you coming out and talking with us today. We are... Diving in and having our, you're our first guest for our dad to dad, dad talks. What a privilege. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. You um, chose a crazy dad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We wanted to just go all in on the first one. Yeah. 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 You did. You did. Good job. So, um, honestly, the reason I wanted to interview you or the reason, one of the reasons I wanted to interview you is because your, your story of how you became a dad, I think is something that's inspiring and worth telling um unconventional unconventional yeah yep. that's another word for, sure. for it insane uh, <laughs> well, i mean however you want to put it yeah um so i'd i'd love for you to kind of dive into it a little bit of yeah. just kind of where you are how it is that you're a single dad with six kids <clears throat> that is correct <laughs> The insanity of how I, I became a dad, a single, single dad, a six kids. I was, you know, I was in mid thirties, early thirties ish and, um, having a desire to have a family. Um, and you know, children was something I wanted to do. So I, I started off my journey, um, reaching out to a friend of mine who's an adoption attorney. Yeah. So, and, and, and finding out what um, what's available, right? <laughs> you know, like like single dude, um, and what's out there. And, and you're actually really limited in the adoption world. Yeah, um, doesn't matter your religion, your sexuality, whatever that may be. You know, uh, most adoption agencies, and when I say most, I mean like ninety percent of them, always assume that uh, that a single man is a pedophile. So you're limited. I mean, there's only three countries in the world that give a single male a child really? an adoption. Yeah. So, you know, I had struggles there and then and then this adoption attorney, you know, after going through all of the different forms of adoption said, you know, why don't you look into fostering? And that, which is something I never thought about. Yeah. So I said, what the hell? And I took a class. It was a nine-week class. Um, and I thought that they probably wouldn't give me a kid. And uh, quickly uh, became a foster dad first for a long time. And had, you know, um, bunches of kids in and out of the house. Um, I became part of a system. Okay. You know. All the while doing what in your professional life? So at that time, I was a private chef a caterer. I had just started this meal delivery business. Yeah. Um, I was, I think at that point I was still working out of my rental house, Okay. you know? So busy um, though. I mean, very busy. Yeah. Crazy, but working for myself. Right. Which in turn was, it was something that I didn't choose to do. It was something that I was forced to do. Yeah. And looking back retrospectively, I think that I was forced to do this so that I could, be a foster dad so that I okay. could be a dad. Yeah. 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 You know, like, a, there, I don't know any company in the world that would have given me a, a nine to five job, which is what I wanted so desperately and allowed me to be a single dad of six with the time frame. Yeah. Of, it would have been really hard. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> so eventually I, I get, I, I have one foster kid and then they call me about these 
two other kids, teenagers. And I said, no, because uh, you're allowed to say no. And there's nothing right. wrong with being a foster parent and saying no. Yeah, knowing your limits, knowing what you can and can't yeah. do at the time. So they ended up calling me three times for this one set of brothers. Wow. And the third time um, I said, yes, it was on like a Sunday. And the boys had been um, at a boy's home up in the Smoky Mountains, It's which is known for um, not being a very friendly and fun place for young oh, okay. men to stay. It's kind of more of a hodgepodge of uh, criminal young kids, ah. you know, not yeah. safe. So these kids came to my doorstep, um, you know, and I remember distinctly looking through the window, watching the guys get out of the car. And I knew when I saw Hunter, who was the oldest one, I knew that there was something different about these boys coming into my home than all the other kids. Yeah. Um, I knew that I didn't know. I don't think I knew right away that he was going to be my son, but I knew that there was some type of, of connection that I had with how, these kids. How long ago was this? So this would have been two and a half years ago. Okay. Um, and Hunter at the time was 15. Okay. And Nicholas who came with him at that time was 12 ish, 13. Okay. Um, you know, Nick didn't speak for a week when he wow. came to my house. Hunter and I quickly kind of started a friendship and I quickly learned that they were part of a family group of six kids, same mom, same dad, Jeez. uh, split up into three different homes in the foster system. Uh, the girls, two, two sisters were up the street from me. And then the other two brothers were across town and, um, that's tough. Yeah. So I had Hunter and Nicholas for a while. Um, and I was the hub of the family. So I was the drop off for the weekends. So all the kids could see each other. Oh, wow. Right? So okay. the other foster parents would drop them off at my house for the weekends. That's and cool. Yeah, it was nice. And I knew, I think I knew instinctively that the children had to be together. Like, could yeah. you imagine going through trauma in your life um, and no. then being separated from those in which that you're the closest to? No. So th there was something in me that knew that the children had to be together. Yeah. Right? And I was going to make it happen. Um, I never, it never occurred to me all of the challenges that I would face being a single dude with six or at that point, seven foster kids in my house. Right. Cause I yeah. still had one other foster. Kid oh, the time. wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I have two in my house. I can't, <laughs> right. I can't fathom. I know. So, and when the kids are in the foster system, it's not just a simple child. I mean, you're going to. Doctor's offices more often than not. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to court cases. You're going to family visitations. You're going to trainings. You're going to meetings. Well, and then I would imagine the emotional baggage and wear and tear that you're dealing with oh. just in, in the home. Oh, it's insane. It's insane. The um, And you, you come from a big family. Yeah. I mean, I come from a family of six. Right. I get it. So, I mean, you're kind of... But I, I came from a family of six that was established and that... Sure, but I mean, I guess what I'm saying is more of just the... So there's, there's a probably just the chaos normal of level people. of chaos that's expected uh -oh. in a household that big, right? Sure. Um, yeah. So that's that part was probably kind of a blessing that you at least knew that <laughs> yeah, yeah. arena a little bit. Yeah, hair pulling and uh, punches flying and throwing stuff. Yeah, that's normal. <laughs> we get that. Yeah. Um, I've learned a lot about children and grief 
in yeah. having my children um, and how grief and anger and fear and frustration and heartbreak, it comes out differently with children than it does with adults. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and it comes out in ways in which that I never expected it to or thought it would. Uh, you take it very personally when these things happen. Yeah. Uh, it's frustrating. I went from, you know, being single and on my own to having these children <laughs> in my house. And I remember over, like, just the overwhelming sensation that there was nothing private anymore. There's not a drawer, a nook, a yeah. cranny, a closet, a room, a jacket, a hat, a shirt, a bag. Yeah. There's nothing That's private yours. anymore. You missed the... uh the early stage with like where we are with Oliver at 15 months now, like you don't even get to go shit by yourself Yeah, at this stage, but it's sure. basically the same equivalent of like nothing that I own is mine. There's no, my oh, no time these children come all. into the bathroom with me. They did right away. <laughs> you know, I remember, I remember I was brushing my teeth one time and one of the kids came in and they just sat on the toilet and started using the bathroom. And I thought it was Mason. And I thought, what are you doing? Like I'm brushing my teeth. And he's like, I got to go to the bathroom and yeah. I didn't want to go upstairs. And I was like, Cool. I'm in my bathroom, dude. <laughs> yeah, like, like, hey, dude. Yeah. Come this on. This is my spot. This yeah. is the only spot that I get I that's actually mine. <laughs> you know, I just recently bought a new house um, up the street from you. And, and you, you mean from the Wake Dead Drink Repeat podcasting studio? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. It's very fancy. It's so fancy. <laughs> in my living room. <laughs> and, and one of the per, and so the house that I originally had the kids in, the master bedroom on the main level, the master bathroom was the only bathroom. It was the guest bathroom. Yeah. The, wow. So the new house, I have a master bathroom, but it is the size of a coat closet, I would say. It's the tiniest bathroom in the world. <laughs> and I did not care. I was like, this is my bathroom. Yeah, Nobody's allowed in this one. This is mine to have. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what it's more my you sanctuary. Need? <laughs> yeah. It's insane. So going back to how I got the kids, man, I started fostering them and they all came two by two to my house. I fought the state, Newton, like fought the state really, really hard yeah. on uh, proving that I can handle it, providing every document and sure. having people follow me and having people show up randomly at my house. It does seem amazing at times. The it seems like the people that want kids, and I, I think at some point everybody wants their kid if they get pregnant with a kid or whatever. So I'm not. It, life happens, right? And circumstances changes sure. and shit comes up. But it is amazing to me how it feels like at times, like like for you. You really wanted that opportunity, how hard that is to achieve it, right? Yeah. And you're sitting there like, I'm a good dude. Like, I'm doing yeah. this for all the right reasons. Yeah. Make Just let me do this. <laughs> like, it's it's funny how that is so well, challenging. And, at and, and it's good, but. Listen, the kids had their own attorney. That It was his job to make sure that they were placed in the right yeah. spot. There wasn't a line of people lining up saying, hey, I want to take all six of these kids. Right. All right. There wasn't options. Yeah. Um, I was willing to do it, um, whether people agreed with it or not. Yeah. Um, I sometimes didn't agree with it. Right. I second guessed it the whole way through, just like the lawyer did. It's probably you know? pretty natural, I would think. I, I mean, yeah. I big... still second. Hell, I still second guess right. it. Right. You know? Well, I mean, it's like anybody before they make that jump in life always has that. You know, right before you walk down the aisle to get married, whatever it may be, like everybody's sure. always when you're changing jobs. There's always that, like, what the hell am, am I, I doing? really going to do this? Right? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. Um, I think that's pretty natural. Do you do you feel like? So I know when I adopted Anderson um, four years ago now, when Michelle and I got married, um, 
you know, I had, and again, diff- different circumstances, but like it, I had been in her life. It had really just been me as that figure for her. And I had known her, you know, I've known her for more of her life than she's been alive than not, if yeah. that makes sense. Right. Um, I don't, <clears throat> even before we had Oliver, I don't, there, there's days where I'm like, oh yeah, like, I mean, you're legally mine and you are mine in my heart and my soul and whatever. Yeah. But like, there's days that I forget that she's not biologically mine. Like, it just doesn't register in my head because I yeah. think you get so like, I've explained it to people like this before. I think of like, when you've been married to someone for so long or whatever, you get to this point where like, that person's in your life all day, every day. Yeah. Like, it just makes sense. Like, they're just there logically, right? That's your person. For me, like with Anderson, she's my one of my my people because she is, you know, yeah. and it doesn't matter. I don't view it in a way of her not coming from my blood, you know, because she is my like, do you get to that point sometimes with your crew where like it just feels like this is what you've been doing your whole life and they're just oh, yours instantly? <laughs> yeah, I lose sight of so much that other people get to see. Yeah. Because I'm in it, like, right? I'm in it every day, through and through. So I, I forget that, like, oh wow, they've done so much better at this. Like, I don't see. It's kind of like if you, you know, you were with somebody every single day and they lost twenty pounds, you wouldn't right. notice, right? But somebody who hadn't seen them in six months notices right away. Yeah, yeah. And you yeah just, easily, you get into the trench with it, and it's like it's it is. I feel like they've been my children my whole life. Right. That's what I'm saying. I mean, oh, it just yeah. is. You don't. You can't. You can't see past. Any of it, like I, I live that, like, and I don't, I don't live my life with regrets or anything like that. But like, mm-hmm. there's a huge part of me at times that, very selfishly, is like, God, I wish I had had the first two years with Anderson too. Like, I'm, like, I'm, oh, I'm I, envious I and jealous of not having had every second of her life as a part of my life. I had to babysit my next door neighbor's child for a few hours. Or not babysit, just kind of watched her. Um, and she is like four or five ish. Yeah. And I got to take her to the park uh, to play. Yeah. And the whole time I was there, I was thinking about like how much I wished that I would have had these moments with my kids, like the play on the playground to teach them, teach my boys how to pee in a toilet, you know, (laughs) like pee standing up, you know, like the real, some of the real, how to tie your shoe or, um, you know, just that all of those things that I missed by, by becoming their father later in life. Yeah. And it's definitely something that I like with us going through that with Oliver now. Yeah. Like it's something that I'm very well aware. It, it's more present in my mind of like, I didn't get to do this with you. And it, and it doesn't change anything mm-hmm. at all. It just, I think it, it speaks to, and I'm going to like pat both of us on the back here for a second. Like it speaks to our level of love and care for these kids that we yearn to have gotten more time with them, you know, like, yeah. And it's crazy. I don't, I don't know that I would have ever thought that that would have been where I would be at in my life with one of my kids. I mean, I I love, I I love it. I wouldn't trade it for the world, but it's just crazy that, that difference. And I wouldn't have thought too, that like there have been times in which I get overwhelmed and I could find that the kids can go away for a weekend. Yeah. You know, there's, 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 you know, the family that helps me raise these kids. Yeah, that was going to be actually and one they, of my next questions. And, and they go away for a weekend and I'm sitting in the house and I don't ever, and all I want to do is just rest. Yeah. And yet the whole time I'm in an empty house. All you're doing is thinking about them. All I'm doing is thinking about them. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I, and it's like, 
and I'm not happy because they're not there. Yeah. Like I, 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 I'm wishing that they were yeah. there. But then you're also unhappy that they're there because you're like, yeah. I just want five minutes. <laughs> but I think that that's a testament to show that like the the love that I have for those kids is like is the same as a, as a as a any other absolutely any other parent, right? Yeah. And that's I don't compare the two ever. No, because they're I actually not... think it's more. I think it's. Well, somebody told me one time that the love that a parent has for an adopted child is the greatest expression of God's love in the, in earth. That that it is so much harder to love a child that's not yours than that was yours. Right. Not not and not just because you have to love them because all the bullshit they brought with them. No, you could have get it as a baby. It's like it, there's just there's something. A, there's different. a conscious choice. Yeah. That that we've made to love that person right yeah. and and I will say on my front with Michelle the challenge as a as a parent to say to another human being come in and love my child as much as I love my child mm. I am humbled daily by her ability to have let go of that a little bit and let yeah. someone else come in I I mean different scenario than where you are with it. But like, sure. it's something that I very much think about. And it's something that I, um, I wear like, not as like a sense of pride or whatever, but like, it's something that I'm, I'm very well aware of this. And I say sacrifice. And I don't mean it in that way, but like the sacrifice that she made, the choice that she made to allow me to come in yeah. and be Anderson's dad. I mean, yeah. and that's a, that's a huge honor yeah. to have been able to do that. Um, well, so we just like jump right in and went for the jugular on that <laughs> conversation. Welcome but, to my world, brother. Right. Um, yeah. But so let's let's um, talk for a second, I guess, while we're still kind of on the subject of the kids. You are a single dad with a couple girls in your household. And not like sure. young girls, like teenage girls. Yeah. How's that? <laughs> Oh, and then, man. and then within that, like you started talking a second ago, like how's that? How's your support system for that? Not just for the girls, but oh, like sure. for you as a single parent, but especially in those moments where you need a girl to talk to them or to help out. I mean, like, yeah, what, no, what is your I, team like? Listen, I have two daughters. My oldest is uh, 19 years old and my second is 15 years old. My oldest has special needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and the protection and care that I have for her is different than the protection and care that I have for my 15 year old. Sure. Um, and both of them are going through things in life where, um, you know, I, I don't want to say that like a woman is needed, no, no, you no, know, no, 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 no. but there is time and, and it's I can't nice to have. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You know, I, um, it's not funny to play games with, a 15 year old daughter about tampons and making it like this big deal and scream in the car with all her brothers. <laughs> Let's go to target and buy some tampons today. Abby's got to get them. You know, I don't, um, it's not, it's not always the, uh, the hot topic of items that I, I really, listen, the first time I was asked to buy tampons, I went to the Sam's club and I didn't know there's a variety of them. Uh-huh. Right. So I just bought a case of each one. And and she hasn't asked me to buy her any sense. And I think it's because her entire 
underneath her bed is filled Stock with every file. size tampon you can imagine. It's I, I stopped the conversation from ever happening ever again. Um, and that is a dad move at its finest right there. Yeah. And and then the brother move is that they go in and they, they fuck with them and they use them as toys and weapons and they throw them at each other. And, you know, it's just it, it caused a lot of chaos. It probably wasn't that wasn't one of the, my best the decisions best I've ever made so far. Um, I've dealt with um, my sisters taking uh, my daughter to go get her eighth grade dance dress yeah sure and uh, i found it to be extremely inappropriate (laughs) so i take her to a christian clothing store and buy her another dress (laughs) and i remember we were so we were taking back the 400 dollars dress that my sisters bought for her that was i found to be inappropriate and they would not return it because i brought it back later than 30 days um, and we were in the mall and, and I was so angry that they wouldn't accept it back. And I was like, I don't even want money. Like, just take the damn dress. Yeah. And they said, no. So we walk out of a department store and I just crumble up this dress and I throw it in a trash can <laughs> in the middle of the mall. And my daughter just has these like welts of tears in her eyes and she's so embarrassed. And she sees something that she wants that I don't find appropriate. And I just <laughs> shove it in a trash can. Here we go. You know, I, I do those things. Um, it's difficult with with the clothing and the makeup and yeah. oh God, I mean, just the amount of time somebody spends on their face. I don't understand it at yeah. all. It drives me crazy. Um, My eight year old will come down for school some mornings and just be packed in makeup, and it's like, mm, okay, <laughs> you know, like. Ooh. I mean, it's I, I just... probably am. I probably am a very strict, strict dad when it comes to abby and alexis in terms of i overprotect them i was gonna say protective maybe more than strict totally and i'm teaching them things that they've never learned before they don't know what self-respect is Mm -hmm. they don't know uh, what boundaries are they don't know what healthy boundaries are yeah um and i'm trying to overly protect them just because i wished to god that they would have taught at a younger age what it's like to be a young lady do you find um that balance to be hard of like not being overly protective or here's where I have the problem of balance is, is that I have these children that have gone through trauma that are grieving and that will grieve their whole life. Right. I find it very difficult to decide what is a normal behavior of a teenager or what is a behavior of a grieving traumatic teenager that's expressing things in freaky ways. Right. And I don't know ever where to draw the the line with. Because right. some things it's just like I shouldn't take it. I should just roll off my sleeve and then there's some things that whew, you know, but, you're like, what the hell? But how do you know? Right? You don't know unless you No, and there's not a manual for this shit. Right. No, <laughs> absolutely isn't. <laughs> Yeah, there isn't a manual for also consequences and punishments for children that come from a traumatic thing. Like I can't, I can't reach out to my friends who have their own children raised in a traditional home and ask them for advice. Like it doesn't work. Like right. I can't send a kid to their bedroom by themselves. You know, right? I their punishment most of the time is just come sit right next to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you yeah. know. Um. And social media and cell phones are the devil. Um, so you have – your youngest is 12. Yes. And your oldest is 19. Correct. So is that six cell phones in the Hall household for the that children? That is six cell phones, yes. Okay. Yeah. Imagine that, Bill. No. 
And in uh, three years, I will have four teenagers on a car insurance plan. Yeah, that's frightening. That's that's where I'd like. I I don't even know how people do this shit. <laughs> God, that's crazy. Yeah, um, the cell phones are insane. It's it really is the the way that. And I tried my hardest to not let them have one. Do you know how many? And you know, I don't know how true it is. Maybe, but. What I hear from Anderson is how many kids fifth grade through kindergarten oh. at her school have phones. Yeah. Listen, you, we could do a whole podcast on cell phones and children and what's responsible and what's reasonable. It's bananas. We can and have I, 10 podcasts like, on I it. get maybe the concept of, you know, if my fourth grader is getting on a school bus and riding home and needing no, to, like, not I really. Can maybe I don't see I can't some even of get that, that. But, but it's, I, I hate having to have a conversation with my eight year old about you will have a cell phone when you're in high school. Yeah. And it, and it's like, that's so far away. Well, the problem is, is that I've, and I've been taught this through a therapist who is younger than I am. Um, she's my children's therapist and she's amazing. But what I, what I have done, badass thing, by the way, therapies, the Palmer household's big believers in therapy. I sit in a therapy office, uh, waiting. Sorry, I sit in a waiting room for five hours a week <laughs> and one hour by myself inside. No, but going back to the cell phones. Listen, what I've been taught is that I I am socially isolating my children by not allowing them to have a cell phone. Sure. Or when you take the cell phone away from them, you're suffocating them right. from a social life. That's how children communicate. My kids have had boyfriends and girlfriends through a cell phone. Now this is some crazy shit. Yeah. You know, they won't hold hands. They've never spoken to each other, but right. they are in. They are boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah. Because through social media, they're talking. But that's that. Some sick stuff these but it, kids but do. But it's that, it's such that change in, I mean, you're you're older than I, but not by a ton. But that that was probably less of a, or not probably, it definitely was not even a, probably a thing yeah. when you were that age. It was starting to be something when I was coming through. I didn't have an iPhone till I was in my 30s. School, or I'm sorry, middle school and high school. Yeah. But like <laughs> we had a flip phone in our glove box of our car in case that, you know, we got a wreck. Right. We were printing off directions to places right. off of a, a computer that took us 10 minutes to download one direction. But I'm even thinking feather. through like when we were growing up, like AIM and getting into those inappropriate chat rooms and stuff on AIM. When there you were, were inappropriate in, chat rooms? No, mom, there weren't oh. any inappropriate chat rooms wow. on our computer. But I mean, just that, that <laughs> freedom that you felt as a kid and you want your kids to have, were that you opportunity sending, to, were you sending nude pics in high school on AIM? I mean, duh. <laughs> oh my God. How did it take like 47 minutes it took to a upload? Long time and you had to listen to the, but ding, but ding. <laughs> While you were doing it, it's very frustrating. Oh, very frustrating. Man. <laughs> um Yeah, so anyways, I I'm not I'm not envious of you being there with that right now. I I don't look forward I, to and at the end of the that. day, I want nothing but my children to have uh cell phones and to be responsible with them. Yeah. Um, I just have so much fear that they're just going to screw it up and ruin their lives. Yeah, and it's. I mean, could you imagine Facebook when we were in college? God, no. I would be unhirable for the rest of my life. Yeah, nobody would have ever hired but, me. But nobody the, would have given me an opportunity. I think been, we have an opportunity as parents to, and our kids are going to hate us for it. Yeah, but 
they have to learn how to use these mediums, right? So Facebook inherently in and of itself, Instagram inherently in and of itself, texting are not bad things, but they can be used inappropriately. Oh yeah. Right. So our job is to steer into, this is where we are. Yeah. But this is the way in which we do it. So, you know, like I don't, I don't, everybody doesn't need this. This is one of these things with Anderson at times, like, Last night, her and Oliver were wearing matching pajamas. They've worn matching pajamas a hundred thousand times since yeah. Oliver's been born. And it's always, and it's very innocent and cute, but she's like, take a picture of us. Take a picture of us. I'm like, dude, take a picture with your mind. Remember this moment of you guys laying on that. your bed, yeah. reading together in matching pajamas. And she's like, but a picture's better. I'm like, but it, we don't need to document it. We don't it. even like, print these pictures. Right. They just stay I mean, on our iPhones matter. forever. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be, and I don't think my eight-year-old's being vain, sure. but it's this, like, that seed is planted already of I have everything a child I do like needs to Ooh. have a picture, a video, a documentation, and we yep. need to tell everyone about it. Like, yep. no, we really genuinely don't. Yeah. My, I have, I have a, I have a freshman in high school son, 15, Nick. He wants to take a picture of every sunset and every sunrise ever. And I'm like, dude, like quit. Just chill. Just enjoy it. Yeah. Like watch it. Yeah. Watch the whole thing rather than worrying you don't about have you have the perfect picture the screen the on time. your phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're taking, you're taking like 10 shots of it and you're adjusting everything to make it perfect. It's yeah. like, it's pretty it's perfect, perfect the way, way it is. is. Yeah, just enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. It's hard. We go on vacations. We take cell phones away for a few days. I try to do no cell phones on Sundays. Um, the problem you, is, is that like, that's like my, well, that's my personal rule I've always had. Like I don't answer phone calls on Sundays. Yeah. Um, which is amazing. You should try it. Yeah. Just put it on. And that's people, on my voicemail. Like, hey, don't like I don't care. That's their fault. I don't get phone Hey, calls. listen, I don't answer my cell phone on Sundays. Leave a message. I'll get back to you Monday after 9am. Yeah. If you don't like it, you know, try it. We, I actually was just telling Michelle yesterday, I am getting ready to put a landline in our house again because I am really, I tried, have you ever heard of Ryan Holiday, the author? No. So he's kind of like a modern day philosopher to some extent. You would love his books. There's okay. one called The Obstacle is the Way um, that like you need to read. It's fantastic. All right. Um, Tell Santa to put one in my stocking. I'll hook you up. Okay. Um, but he, he had this challenge he kind of put out to his audience of try to go. Um, it was like either 30 or 60 minutes in the morning when you wake up without looking at your cell phone sure. for a week. Yeah. I couldn't do it. And, and, and what it boils down to is my alarm is on my phone. I check uh -huh. my weather, the weather on my phone in the morning. Yeah. It's like, it's, I've twisted it into this part of my life that I quote unquote need, but I think it's more because it's accessible. So my whole thing is we're putting a landline in the house. My phone is going to stay in our office when I go to bed. I need a phone near the bed because Michelle works batshit crazy hours. If something happens, sure. I want her to be able to get in touch and me be able to wake up. Yep. Um, but I don't want to have my mini computer next to me in the bed anymore. And and what I want for my eight-year-old daughter is when she wants to call one of her grandparents to not be, hey, can I call Nona on your phone? No, you can go get the house phone mm -hmm. and call her on that. And then it's not... You're not looking at stuff on the on FaceTime while you're doing it. You're not sending text messages while you're doing it. You're just having a phone call with someone. Yeah. It's kind of a lost art. I think it's kind of important. 
I'm going to get made fun of for it by someone, but that's what we're doing. <laughs> well, truth be told, I have a landline. And I've had one. DCS requires you to have one as a foster home. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. So it's so that the children always have a that way of communicating to... to either their birth parents or their caseworker. Wow. Uh, or safety as well. So I got used to it and just enjoyed it so much that I've always I've just yeah. kept it. Yeah. You know. And I don't. I'm not a foster home anymore, so I don't have to follow the the guidelines of right. a home. But that's one of the things that it stuck. Yeah, it's cool. Good luck trying that. Thanks, man. I'll Let's let you know how that goes. Yeah. All right. So, all six kids adopted. They're Simon Halls. Yeah. Pin more or less in that, but not really because every day is your life as a dad, and it's constantly changing and growing. So right. Um, but outside of your role as a dad. Yeah, you're a pretty accomplished chef who's kind of going through some changes in what you're doing now. But I mean, give me a little bit about what it is that you do and where you're taking your business now. Am I accomplished? I feel like you're accomplished. What does that mean? I mean, you have a lot of likes on Instagram, so (laughs) (laughs) they haven't gotten me any dates this year. Isn't that what it? Isn't that what accomplished means? No idea what accomplished means. I'm fully right. self-supporting. That's you for make, sure. You make damn good food every time I've had it. Okay, great. It's pretty food as well. Yeah. Um, but you come, I mean, outside of I just your it. meal prep and your catering, like you come from a background of. Yeah, bro. I'm a chef. Yeah. 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 I'm a, I'm a credited chef. Right. Yeah. I'm not somebody that just calls myself a chef. That's what I was getting at. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I recently sold my business, which, um. It's crazy. Yeah. Right? Like, I built this business up, and um, and it just boiled down to I needed some – I needed to take care of my health, having some health scares and issues coming up. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and I want – and I'm tired of uh, not being around on weekends, and I'm tired of – That whole balance Working – yeah, working 70 hours a week. And um, so the business is gone. Um, which is crazy. You know, I have a few catering contracts that I still need to comply with and, and I'm still open. I have a space that I can use. Um, if there's any catering gigs that I want to do, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be able to say no to things now. Yeah. Which is huge. It's power of no, man. That's listen. I, I, it makes me happy. And, And then on the flip side too, that there's also, um, some opportunities that I have rolling in the, in the works right now with some consulting work. Yeah. Um, you know, something that is just as creative that involves food that I have a passion for. Talk a little bit for a second, um, about the ancient lore village, if you will, or if you can, I mean, I'm very intrigued to, yeah, well, that's my first big, you know, consultant job. Um, that is a resort that's being built. Um, here in Knoxville, right? Yeah, here in South Knoxville. Um, it's a it's a concept that I, I really believe in. So it's um, goes back to what we were just talking about. It's a family resort that mm-hmm. doesn't have TVs that um, has like a gaming station for board games for families in each one of their cabins. Like that focuses on relationships and communal relationships. Sure. Um, and really unplugging from the world and going to a place of, you know, generosity and kindness and, and experience. Which is amazing that we have to pay to allow ourselves to do that. But hey, I mean, you do whatever what you, you got to do, man. Uh, you know, it's, I'm f- not dogging it. I think it's an awesome. Yeah. 
concept and and it's thematic in the sense of um ancient world um in terms of you know the homes are built inside of cliffs and uh tree houses yeah. and you know there's some mystical things like fairies are involved and dwarfs and orcs and um and that's kind of all in the thematics of things and and I'm not the best at describing sure. that for ancient lore but mm-hmm. I am the best in saying that it's going to have a five star restaurant um, it's going to also have a brew house restaurant. There's going to be a water park that has its own restaurant. Um, that's where I'm involved in terms of designing and executing menus and cool. recipes and hiring. And, and I would imagine just with your background and where you place what I feel like the importance on the types of food and ingredients that you use, it's probably not going to be a ton of like corn dogs on sticks. It's going to be a little no, more. Yeah. It's, it's going to be cool. It's going to be kind of based on, uh, Appalachian roots. Cool. Um, but with my twist on things and here's the deal is, is that this is the first resort that the goal is to build 14 resorts in 10 years. Oh, I didn't know that. So, That's crazy. Yeah. And so for a creative freak like myself, I get to design, you know, food and concepts 14 times yeah. all across the United States and all different parts of the United States that involve different uh, food and different cuisines and different heritages and, Very and different cool. thematics to it. And um, That sounds like quite the challenge at the end of the day. Dude, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. So I'm working from home part-time right now. Um, I made my garage into my office. Um, so a little less time with knives and cutting boards and a little no more. no no no. there's still like a lot of testing recipes yeah. and 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 knocking out a really killer menu and um i'm still i'm just not cooking for people as much sure it's not the grind of cooking for 800 people or for a wedding you know right. it's not killing my body uh instead it's just doing what i love in a different form yeah i think people underestimate how hard um being a chef being in the food industry is at times. I don't think uh, people realize how brutal, brutal it is on the body. <laughs> yeah. It's horrible. And then add being a dad of six on top right. of that, right? And that schedule and that and that balance with it. I was looking good before I had kids, bro. <laughs> Same, man. I'm working my ass off to try to get back down to where I want to be. Dude, I was like at everything. like 190. I was running 5 and 10Ks every month. And I was getting up every morning and working out. Yeah. I was eating right. And then... Children came along, and I wasn't allowed to leave them in the house anymore, you know, legally as yeah. a foster kid parent. And I was like, oh, well, I can't go to the gym at 6 a.m. Yeah. And after I get home from, you know, work and picking up and – Well, and then goldfish and gummies are like the death of – Dude, mac and cheese <laughs> and – oh, cereal. Yeah. Oh, don't get me started on cereal. My uh, mouth gets watery when I think of a bowl of like just whatever the cinnamon sh- toast crunch. Yeah, bring it on. Mm. See, Lucky Charms, like- whatever has the most sugar in it that you could pile in a. Bo- <laughs> and I, we don't eat like just like a not like a soup bowl. Like we go for like mixing bowls yeah, yeah, at our yeah. house. Like we pound through like a box a day at our house of yeah. like the family size cereal. And I just I've, I've had to start quitting buying it. So two years gone by, and you know, put on eighty pounds, and I, f- I look like shit. And you and you feel we, this episode. Um, by the time this episode goes live, Mike and I will have done an episode on self care that will have been live. And we, one of the things that we talk about in that piece of self care is when you eat like that. At least for us, I'm not saying sure. this applies to all dads, but I think you would probably agree. You can roll me in when you eat like that. Yeah, even if it's one meal or one snack or whatever. It, your energy level zaps, you feel like shit, mm. and you 
it's harder to be a good parent when you feel like shit. Restless, irritable, and yeah. discontent. I mean, yeah. it's just oh, like, yeah. and then and then what do you do? Because you're in a crunch mood, you go and you grab another handful of sour gummy worms yeah. or whatever it is, right? And then it's like. Or every little thing that my kids do drives me fucking crazy. Right. And then I start yelling at them for no reason. Right. And, and then like, it makes hey, it dad, like. Hey, dad, chew on a Kashi bar and chill out, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is when I wished I still smoked cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> I would be like chain smoking cigarettes if I still smoked right now. But you'd now. be skinny and it'd be great. Exactly. <laughs> no, but here's what here's the, what I've learned is, is that um, I know I have a food addiction as a human being. Like I'm an addictive person, right? Yeah. Like I'm a recovered alcoholic. I'm a recovered drug addict. I know I have food addictions. Um, and I have – and I know that I can lie to myself. Yeah. And I lied to myself by saying – Enjoying a meal with my child provided a place for us to grow together, right? Yeah. Like, so me sharing a bowl of cereal with my kid that connected us a- more rather than me making scrambled eggs and him eating cereal, right? Which was such a lie, but I believed it and I allowed myself to believe it that, that they didn't want me to. It's not what I ate, it's the fact that I sat at the table with them, right. And I'm just now kind of like overcoming all of that. And like, hard, you know, it's man. a process, man. Like, but that's it's it's insane to think that I lived that way for a while. But that really was me being full of fear as a new parent, yeah. taking on this challenge. Um and you know, when you what, go to bed at night by yourself and people are in that's the hardest. I don't have somebody sitting there saying, like, you did your best today, or, yeah. or it's gonna be okay. Or, yeah. or like that's what you were supposed to do. Like, I don't get any of that shit. All I get is my own self saying, I'm not good enough. I didn't do it right. I should have done it better. Oh, I've really fucked up this kid today. Well, speaking from not going to bed by myself all the time, although I do a lot because of Michelle's schedule, but we just do what you do together. So it's not like we necessarily support each other in it. Sure. It's that we're just both like, yeah, we both fucked that one up today, but we could probably could have done a little bit better. But at least we get to – I hear what you're saying. Yeah. We're at least going through But you have that somebody that's being soft together. with you about it rather than like I just sit there and beat myself up. Well, and it's hard not to because we – as parents, I think you take everything so personally. And then I also think there's this um, stigma of being a man, of being a dad, of like, I should be able to fix this, right? It should – I should not have to yeah. – it shouldn't have to be this way. I should be able to just plant my feet and like go and it yeah. be resolved. And it's not that simple. And you talking about coming through your, um, you know, alcohol, drug addiction and all that, like you're very well aware, which is a huge part of all of this. Sure. Again, referencing this self-care conversation Mike and I had, I don't think men, dads do a good enough job of two things. One, throwing the flag up and saying, I need help. Yeah. Or recognizing that I'm in a spot where I'm struggling. And it doesn't mean that you're struggling so much that you have to go talk to a counselor or that you have to do whatever, but just acknowledging the space that you're in, right? Mm -hmm. Of like, I'm having a rough day or I'm having a rough week. And then I also don't think that we do, that men get, men do a good enough job as a group of supporting each other in that sometimes, right? Like, I, you know, well, I'll say this. I'm lucky because I'm in a, a program of recovery with other men, right? Where we go deep and we help. Like I, my best friend, I could call him and say, "Listen, bro, like I gotta go. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rant, and I'll just, I'll say what I need to say, right? 
And then he says, all right, have a good day, you know, but and but, then hangs up and, and there's no judgment and there's no, and I could tell somebody like, I wanted to beat the shit out of my kid this morning. Yeah. <laughs> like I can't like, and then like really going in on like how, like the stuff that we really think about having, um, having a community that allows you to just say what, so you can get what it you out. Say, yeah. You, know, you can't go to church and say these things, no. you know? But most of the people sitting at church are thinking these things too. Right. And yes. I guess that's kind of my point yeah. is it's. I think, and this is a big, what what Michael and I have come back to is a big reason that I think we've started Wake Dad, Drink, Repeat, and that we're trying to build this community of today's dads is this is the shit that him and I talk about and have talked about offline yeah. for 10 years as friends, as well, parents, Well, let's talk about dads. it online. Let's take right. the stigma away, but, right? But that's my thing. Like, let's have just an honest and real conversation yeah. about it. <clears throat> it doesn't change anything, but it yeah. provides that opportunity to really Get into it at times. It doesn't mean it can't be fun. I mean, we've had, we've been sitting here laughing while we've been talking about it, but it's just, it's opening it up and saying, like, it's okay. It's okay to acknowledge that we need better balance. It's okay to acknowledge that some days you don't, you always love your kids, but some days you just don't like your kids. Some days you really hate being. Oh, I say that all the time. Right. I say, I love you. I do not like you right now. Right. I need you to go away. (laughs) But, but like, Good. I mean, I don't walk think, away from me, please. I think there's come there's back no, when you're not being an asshole. Right. <laughs> there's there's no point in faking uh, that. Like, no. It, as long as they're in a spot where they know that you love them and you know that you love them, like fine, call it what it is. I love my wife more than anything in the face of the earth. On anything on the face of the earth. There's some times where I'm like, bye. Yeah. Like, I need a minute, and I know you need a minute. You yeah. know, like. But I'm going to come back in a little bit and we're going to be great, you know, but it just needs to be that, that space, yeah, you know, um, and, and, and those moments get less and become easier to manage. I think when you are working out, yeah, when you feel like you have that balance in your life, um, I, I need my like Zen. I have to go get a couple workouts in a week. And then I also genuinely need my time at the end of the night or early in the morning. I like sure. to get up early before anyone else in the house is up. I do that. So that I can have a cup of coffee. I, I can know. do a little bit of a meditation or whatever you want to call it. Again, there's a book Ryan Holiday wrote that I think you dig that I used in the morning for that sometimes. But like it's – that's huge. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I th- my self-care program as a whole yeah. is so important and vital to being successful right? as an individual, as a father, as a, you know, I was a boss. I, I mean, yeah. Um, as a friend, as a, you know, a servant to God, you know, in general, all of those things is uh, self-care is like, should be top priority. What the problem you- was for so many years is that I put my kids as the top priority and then self-care was secondary, right? which, uh, which is not, which isn't working. And I found out it hasn't been working. So yeah, I'm on the flip side of things right now. Like it's, I sold this business to clear away one thing. Right. I've, I've been getting up. I always get up early in the morning and I always have, you know, a meditation, a devotion, a prayer, coffee, you know, this morning I was up at four forty-five doing laundry and dishes, <laughs> you know, cleaning the house, um, you know, getting everybody ready for school for the yeah. mornings and, and trying to do it healthy. Do you um I'm a better man when I get up in the morning and I do self-care. I am too, 100%. And it's there's more what I 
what I like about or what I don't like about that at times is the mornings where I decide to sleep an extra 30 minutes or an hour or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I get up and I'm crunchy and pissed at myself for not. And then it's then you have to check yourself, right? Because then it's those are inevitably the mornings where Anderson's like, I don't want to go to school today or I don't want to eat the eggs that you made or I don't want to whatever. And you have to like or Oliver wakes up and is just crank fest. And it's like you have to check it at that spot and yeah. be like, they're not any different today than they are any normal days. I just didn't get my yeah. Is it me or is shit it them? together to start the day? <laughs> Listen, school's only been in for a few weeks, and it's been the, them every day. So yeah, it's, it's not my problem. I yeah. wake up and I do my stuff. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Don't make it out like that. They are. Everybody asks. They're like, "Oh, you're so glad school's back in." I'm like, "No." Yeah. Because in the summertime, I just screw them. I leave them in the house. I let them sleep all day. Yeah. Or do whatever they want to do. And now I have to get up. I do my stuff. And then I dread when like that time when that alarm clock goes. I have that secondary alarm clock. Yeah. Like now's the time to wake up the kids. And it's like, oh shit. Yeah, you put something on Instagram the other day and I was cracking up, which by the way, for those interested, and we'll we'll put all this in the show notes, whatever, but it's at Simon Hall Private Chef is where people can find you on Come and like me, baby. On the Instagram. But yeah. Um you you drew all over one of your kids. The other oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. That was Blake. <laughs> That was Blake. That was awesome. He would not get out of bed. Um, I have five little angry people every morning that despise and hate me. Yeah. And there is nothing. I have tried everything. I have been kind. I have been gentle. I have been sweet. I turn. I don't turn the lights on. I turn the lights barely on. A little bit of I music. Turn the, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I flood the lights on. I throw water on them. I have a blow horn. Um, I have marching music. I sing. Like I have freaking done every single thing I could try to do to like figure out like what's the best way to wake them up. And nothing is. <laughs> You know, and it's like pulling teeth, and you got five of them that have to, you know, brush their teeth, get dressed, take yeah. their medicine, have breakfast, pack their lunch, yeah, you know, get their book bag, get out the door. I sent one of my kids to school a week ago with no shoes. <laughs> Mason, little, but jerk. you know what? They're old. I mean, Mason's what thirteen? Yeah, uh, that's on him. Like, oh, totally. He's in. Together. We're Bring in. We're shoes. in. We're in the drop-off line at his school, <laughs> and all of everybody else is out. And he's sitting there, and his and he's got his uniform on. He's got his shirt and his his sh- little shorts on. And he is just crying. I'm not going to school without shoes. I said, "The hell you are!" I got out and I opened up the door. I said, "Get out of this car!" And he's just screaming at me, crying. He's like, "I'm calling!" And he just started listing off his aunts. He's like, "I'm going to call them and bring them." I said, "Try it." The headmaster called me um, and said, "Are you going to bring this kid shoes?" I said, "No, no." He just started laughing. He's like, "You probably should bring him shoes." He said, "We the only pair of shoes we have are size twelve work boots in in the in the whatever the bin is." Yeah, and I said, eh, "I'm not bringing him shoes. <laughs> that, that'll work." Yeah, size twelve work boots. And he stuff hasn't forgot his shoes since. Yeah, he probably never will again. Now he's still a jerk, <laughs> but he hadn't forgotten his shoes. Yes, they. Uh... Listen, my parenting is is uh, not normal sometimes. Yeah, but you're kind of in the trenches, man. I mean, there's a there's a level there. Of, uh, you gotta have fun with it. Yeah, and and I think that they shame and humility are not good parenting forms, though. I've <laughs> learned that. Like, there's there's no there's no sense in like humiliating your kid or trying to shame them or embarrassing them every once in a while is is funny. So there's there's 
joking around in love and then there's yeah. making them feel uh inept or sure. different, right? And that there is that fine line at times of you know, and I do, I want I want my kids I'm very close with my parents. Um, my, I mean, and I think it's cliche when people say it at times, but like, I mean, truly at the end of the day, my mom and dad are two of like my absolute best friends. I hate to put it that way because it doesn't do justice to who they are and what they yeah. are in my life. But like, they're two of my people, you know, like yeah, at all times. Um, I have very close relationships with them, but I definitely think when my dad um, was diagnosed with his cancer back in 2000 and we went through that as a family like that was a big growing moment for us and that's a big part of the my i always say the silver lining of my dad's illness was not that our family wasn't close beforehand but what it what it cemented for our family of like the four of us my sister my mom my dad like it's pretty hard to break those bonds yeah we're assholes to each other a lot but like it ends in the very italian way of like a big hug and i love you and you walk out the door is it right. not? Wait, what about the kiss on like three kisses on each cheek kind I don't of think Italian we like each family? Other that much. No. <laughs> <sighs> um, but yeah, man. So <clears throat> it, you said something about kind of like your self care strategy or routine. Like, what what is some of that? If you want to get into it, like, what is some of that stuff for you? Like, what's kind of your not necessarily just your routine, but like, what are the things that you do now for Simon? Um, you know, this week, let's just talk about this week. Sure. Um, meditation. Uh, prayers in the morning. Yeah. I have some recovery devotion books that I read in the morning. Yeah. Um, service work is a big one for me. Um, there's, you know, an organization that I do service work within that I kind of, you know, don't tell anybody about and I just go and do that. Cool. That's a big self care thing. Um, and then I've just gotten back to like trail running. Yeah. I've done that. <clears throat> I have this, uh, one of my kids' school, one kid goes to, uh, STEM Academy. Mm-hmm. And then all the other kids go to private school. And they get out at 3, and then the other kid doesn't get out till 4.30. Oh, wow. So we have like this hour and a half gap. And it really is a pain in the ass to like drive home, drop yeah, off man. kids, then get back out in the trenches of of, of our town yeah. at, at school time. So <laughs> I just started parking my car right in front of the STEM school and just walking for like, you know, getting four or five Three to four miles in. Which there's a lot of stuff to do down in that area. Oh, totally. Yeah. And the kids can out and do it with That's me what I'm too. saying. I mean, there's there's enough they to play entertain and, for that Yeah. Time I mean, you can, there's a whole park. So that's been really helpful. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's kind of about as far as my self-care has gone. Sure. I don't do really you, know. Do you Am find that like, you have to schedule it? Like, like for me. No. No, you just kind of get it in when you can get no, it in. Yeah, there's no scheduling it. I mean, listen, logistics is like my worst nightmare. <laughs> I, I am, and I am. A I can't champ. imagine. I cannot imagine running your family books. Like, I'm a pretty good champ at it. Trying to you know schedule things out. Yeah. You know, hell, I went to the dentist this week, and that was a big deal. I saw, I saw I thought, that when like, you threw that on Instagram, and it, I, you were like my personal hell, and I'm like, preach, brother, preach. Yeah. No, I, I'm dentist or just shit, and I have a root canal that I have to have redone. Uh-uh. I thought uh-uh. has a root canal they have to have redone. Yeah. The dude with six kids, you know. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah, always. If there's a special, like if somebody's special, it's always me. Yeah. You know, if there's this weird thing, like my health stuff that's coming up, it's like this shit doesn't happen to a normal human being. <laughs> You know, like only, only I, I feel very special in so many negative ways. <laughs> um, so you had mentioned that you were 
um, having some relatively major surgery yeah. coming up. Yep. What um, Thanksgiving? That's frightening and everything. I'm sure. Sure, um, it's a little uh, aggravating. So it it brings up so much of awareness as to what I actually really physically do on a day to day basis. Yeah. So I have a stent that was put in in 2011, uh, and it's moved. And it's in my vena cava, which is the giant artery that runs mm-hmm. up your chest. And, and it's puncturing – one of the prongs of it is puncturing through the walls oh, and into my intestines. So it's caused a bunch of bacterial infections. It's, is that it's, what the deal that's what was, was from last from year? From last year when it oh, was okay. septic and yeah, I almost died yeah. a few times. and. Uh, but it's it seems to be the the cause of all, the effect. We finally found it. So I have to have this giant surgery, right? They're going to cut 14 inches in my chest. And, Shit, dude. You know, it's bypass your heart, pull your liver out, break your ribs. And Fuck. It's, it's not fun. No. Um, so the, and I'll be in the hospital for a week, and then I have three weeks of being in the bed at home. No driving, no getting up, no Jeez, doing anything. Man. So I'm going to be out for four weeks. So I'm having to so not like stress about it. Thanksgiving to Christmas kind of deal, basically, yeah. is your window. Yeah. So I have um, the stress of it all is, is overwhelming if you start to think about it all. So instead, I'm focusing on trying to find a solution for figuring out who the hell is going to do what? me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, besides the fact I have to find somebody to help take care of me, I also have to help so find with my kids and the dogs. and Yeah. So I'm really thinking, you know, so I have to sit down and like come up with this whole plan of, Who's going to do what? Yeah. And how are we going to do it? Luckily, by then, I'll have one teenager driving. Yeah. Which is why I pushed it off as far as I could, the <laughs> surgery. That was one of like the big – I had a few commitments for work, and then I had uh, – Logistics. You know, logistics. So making it work. Yeah. So uh, you really – you know, you write out, like, what do you need? <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that's yeah. – and it's not just as simple as like, oh, bring dinner for our family one night. It's like I need somebody to come not only bring dinner but sit down and, and check homework and yeah. uh, pack lunches and um, you know do laundry and clean the house and feed the dogs and take the dogs to get bathed and yeah. you know just and then you know feed me and make sure that you know my stitches are cleaned. Oh, I don't know what geez. the hell I actually need, dude. That's well, I need a retired nurse to just move in. <sighs> And a nanny. For a lot of reasons, probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, all that being said, we, and obviously we wish you the best of luck with your surgery. Thank you. It'll, it'll be, it has to be successful, right? Yeah. There's no, I don't know if there's anybody else that could be me for these kids right now. Yeah. I haven't found that. I bet that's scary for them. Like, oh, totally. You Especially through. having lost one of their parents yeah. you know, and being a part of that. Yeah, I, I try to be extremely sensitive with the kids on on the severity of all of this, and we had therapy, a family therapy session. Yeah, which is kind of when I talked to them about it and sure. told them about it, and um, gave a, a safe place for them to ask questions. And, and you know, of course, none of them had questions because um, they're kids. Kids are right. just selfish at the end of the day. But yet, I find that they have a community of people that they've been asking questions rather yeah. than me, which is which fine. is fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm cool. Um, it's good that they're talking about it. And it's good yeah. that they're comfortable in that environment. Of being I mean, I'm uncomfortable, like when their friends' parents that I don't know call me and ask me questions about it. Yeah, you know, and you want th- things to be kept in the family, and it's really not. Yeah, you know, but that's their way of of doing it. So, I well, and of being it. helpful. I mean, I think people for the most part are pretty genuine. In yeah, oh times. yeah, nobody's calling just to. 
hear the rumor mill. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, so we are going to end all of our dad to dad talk sessions with our kind of like rapid fire questions. So, Oh God, don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. Okay. Just kind of rattle off what it I'm is. I'm sorry if any of these are going to be inappropriate. <laughs> pre glamour. I think you'll be just fine. Okay. All right. So ready? the, the first one for are you ready? Yeah, I'm Get ready. There. Yeah. I have my spin drift in my hand. <laughs> yes. Whew. Yeah. We, uh, we love spin drift. We've cruised through the... That's my drink. We've cruised through the... Hey, well, don't get ahead of ourselves here. Oh, got it. That was one of the questions. We've cruised through our Vienna coffee, and we're moving very quickly onto the spin drift. Was that Vienna coffee? Mm-hmm. I generally don't like it. Oh, well. But I like your Vienna coffee. <laughs> okay. That... I don't normally drink that crap, but that was all right today. Uh, yeah. Have you ever had coffee in rehab before? It's like they give you black tar. Absolutely. Really? Yeah. No, I haven't had coffee in rehab because I haven't the done cheaper, rehab yet. The cheaper, like nasty coffee, I, I become like that's like my I'm used to that. Yeah. So like when people bit. give me fancy local shit, you're like, what is this? <laughs> we fancy up in here. I know. All right, biggest lesson you've learned as a dad. Oh my god, biggest lesson. Biggest lesson that I am not uh, everything. Okay. Yeah, I'm not enough. Okay. And I need help. Yeah? Yeah. And being comfortable in that component of asking for help, maybe? Sure. Oh, I've always been comfortable asking for help. Yeah. That's good. I don't think a yeah. lot of people... I don't think everybody is, so... Vulnerability is key. Yeah. Which leads to humility, I think. Oh, sure. <laughs> um, This one may be a little bit harder, because... Well, no, not necessarily. I'm just thinking you picked up your career at a little bit of an older age, but most annoying show or songs your kid have made you watch or listen to thousands of times. Oh, that stupid little asshole on YouTube. Uh, Jake Paul. Jake Paul uh, that, needs to, that one. Th- he needs to go away. And then there's, um, there is a puppet dude named Jiffy who is highly inappropriate. And he taught my children what masturbation was. <laughs> He's on YouTube. It's amazing. Yeah, he can what kiss you can my ass. <laughs> From puppets on YouTube. Here's yeah. what you get. Yeah. Oh. God. No, it's, it's an awful thing. That? And, and any and any type of rap music is 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 a just a oh, God. Yeah. See, I guess because mine are so young, I was like when we wrote these questions, I was down the road of like Mickey Mouse Clubhouse or oh yeah no whatever, I, we're not like gonna you, we're not singing you, Baby Shark yeah we're past <laughs> we're past Let It Go and Baby Shark and no all we're that at jazz. we're at masturbating puppets cause. yes yeah <laughs> God all right this one may be a longer for you because you might have to spread it out kid by kid or age okay. group by age group favorite thing to do with your kids who. Or it may be that there's just one thing that you dig doing as a family. As a family, we are Uno players. Okay. That's my favorite thing to do is to sit around the table with all the kids and play Uno. Cool. And I don't hold back, by the way. <laughs> yeah. No, you can't. Not, yeah. I mean, listen, not they, with their age group. They need to learn that they're not going to win at everything. I don't life. even think I'd let a five-year-old beat me at Uno just to let him win. I have. I'm, uh, I'm helping out coaching Anderson's cross-country team this year. Yeah. And we've been doing some like relay races the last couple practices. And um, some of the lines, you know, because the, the age groups in the range are shorter than the others. So I've been racing some of the kids just to, like, have them not running by themselves. Yeah. But there's a couple fourth graders, man. They're just, like, 
Like one of them yesterday was like, hey, what's it like wearing girls' sunglasses? It's like, ooh, dude, I'm wearing aviators. And he's like, no, my mom wears those sunglasses. I was like, all right, you want to race? And he's like, I'll totally smoke you. <laughs> There's zero holding back yeah, at this no, point. Yeah, no, don't like, hold back. It's, Gosh. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Listen, all right. Well, all right. Besides Uno, let's also say we go on family walks after dinner. Cool. That's always really important. Yeah. And it's always a good time for us all. Um, and then being at the beach. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's good, man. I'm good. Um, <laughs> drink of choice. Now I will say this oh. because I do feel like, so part of our name is wake or part of our name is drink, wake that drink, repeat. Yeah. And in the concept of coming up with that. Sure. You know, Mike and I don't, Michael and I don't like get Smammed every night because we have to get up with our kids. Don't make this some whatever. awkward shit because I'm a sober. No, no, alcoholic. no. I'm not. No, no. I'm, I'm not because of you. I'm just saying that I think that there's a level of like we've we've joked with it because we've had some people be like, "Is it? Do you guys drink and then go to bed and have to get up the next day?" I'm like, "No, I have to drink coffee all day long yeah. to stay energized yeah. to do it." Like, why do you like, have to? Why do you have to do anything to it? Don't worry about other. You have to wake dad drink. <laughs> if anybody's got an issue with it, tough shit. Yeah. Cool. Listen, some of us have coffee. Some of us have a, a bubbly, a spindrift. I like, I love carbonated sodas. Yeah. So drink you know, of choice. Drink of choice. Uh, it would have to be, yeah, like a, a spindrift or a bubbly. Yeah. Okay. You know, I have all of the accoutrements in my refrigerator. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. You know, and I'll, I am a big coffee drinker. Yeah. You know, so. Mainline that shit all day long. Whew. Sometimes. Black bitter. I'm with you, brother. I'm yep. with you. All right. Best part of being a dad for you. Oh, man. There's so many good parts about being a dad. Yeah, there really are. Um, man, I just love being able to watch my kids accomplish things that they didn't believe that they could do. Yeah. You know? It yeah. It happens all the time. Um, just to encourage, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I love you, Dad. I remember I cried like a baby <laughs> when when the, 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 one of them called me Dad for the first time. <clears throat> you know, I love that. I'm so proud of that. Yeah. I was sharing with you. Before. And not all of them, by the way, still – there are two of them that ref, that just don't call me Dad. They call sure. me Simon. And, and and that doesn't make me less of a dad to that one individual. No. Um, it's just their journey of it, and, and I don't have a problem with it. They can call me whatever they – they can call me asshole forever. I don't care. <laughs> It doesn't define our relationship, relationship. a word. Um, But it was extremely like I never thought that I would be a dad, and so when I when they called me that, it was just cool. Yeah, I was sharing with you before we started recording. um, You know, I we're not doing good at making these rapid fire because I keep talking back on it. But anyways, um, when Michelle and I got married, you know, the second we're walking down the aisle, Anderson's because she was our flower girl. She's pulling on my jacket, and she goes. Hey, Anthony, do I get to start calling you dad now? I'm like, yeah, of course you get to start calling me dad. Like, absolutely. If that's what you want to like, we hadn't yeah. even talked about it. It just was like this very innocent four year old who just was like, you're my dad. Yeah. You know? And then we did a, um, in our dances that we did, we, her and I did a father daughter dance, like a first dance kind of deal. And it was a Jimmy Buffett song off the fruitcakes album. Delaney talks to statues. Cause we're, <laughs> big Buffett fans in this house, but like I cried more during that dance with her of me holding her and us just like spinning around. Uh Like then I think I've ever cried in my life. I mean, I just was like, but it was just raw, man. It was just real. And that was, 
my my answer to that question when we were doing it was just that love, that pure, unfiltered, raw love that you get to experience from these people. Yeah. No matter how they've come about to be in your life, it is it is just the most leveling, grounding thing on the face of the earth. There was there was part of me that would have thought that the day after my kids' adoption date that that they would have all started calling me that you know there was hope from that but yeah. at, at the end of the day it didn't <laughs> yeah but it, like you said it doesn't you don't love them any less or any differently but it just is that's just it's such a cool watching them like you said watching them accomplish things watching them grow watching them love like it just is yeah. the I love use is amazing yeah it's pretty cool shit yep it's pretty cool shit um Okay, so the final one. So, you know, here at Wake Dad Drink Repeat, our goal is to kind of define today's dad. So, Ooh, when we did how that, do you, how do you do that? Well, it's, it's hard. Impossible. It's hard, right? And and that was the reason that we termed it as today's dad versus defining a dad because dad is kind of a washed out term to some extent. I think of what people's definitions are of it or whatever. Yeah. Your your journey of being a dad is very different than mine. It's very different than Michael's. It's very different than whoever's, right? Um, so how how do you define today's dad in your own words? Sure. Um, it's not being a best friend. I, I don't believe that being your child's best friend is, is the definition of a dad. I think that uh, being a leader for your child, um, I think that guiding my children – um, and a God-centered life is yeah. a big part of being a dad. Yeah. I think that um, believing in my children yeah. always. Um, hey, Louie, our golden retriever has been having attached dreams. to Simon since he walked in the door here, and he's like sacked out dreaming. Next I love year. it. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, oh, man. You've stumped me on – on this. So I'll, I'll tell you mine and not that yours. I mean, that's perfect the way that it is, but I'll kind of yeah. tell you what I had said. And mine was, you know, today's dad is me. I wear 20 different hats all day long from being an entrepreneur with Knox Lux and this entity of Wake Dad, Drink, Repeat, um, to being a house spouse, to being a husband, to being a short order cook, to being the yard guy, the errand boy, the homework helper. I'm data to Anderson. I'm a son. I'm a brother. I'm a runner, I'm a cyclist, you know, it's the list goes on and on of what it is. But what I do is I look at all those challenges and say, you know, hold my beer. Let's get after this. Right. Yeah. And then when the end of the day hits, I'm like, holy shit, I need to sit down. (laughs) Right. Like, yeah, it's being very humble. It's being very um, aware of the process and the journey that we're on. And like, that's now I got to sit down and think about that for a lot longer than you did. Yeah, you did. I know. (laughs) But but, I mean, that's what it is. Right. It's. To me, that's my definition of being a today's dad. That's how that's yeah. what defines me. Wow, that's a great definition. I guess today's dad for me would be to be a, you know, like I said before, a leader, yeah, um, a provider, yeah, um, somebody who is a genuine and thoughtful, um, who appreciates you know what is in the world. It, Oh hell. No, man, that's perfect. Yeah, I mean, don't I mean, don't don't put any undue pressure no, or stress on it. I mean, that's that's what it is for you, you know? I mean, yeah. and that's 
that's stellar. I mean, it's everybody's going to be a little bit different on that front, you know. I, I think that the biggest thing is is that like I, for me and my children, I have to believe in my children more than they believe in themselves. Yeah, you know that's big part of it because they don't. They you know some sometimes their self esteem is just is is not, and not that's hard. Part. It's really hard because there's this you want you want them to. Um, have the space to be able to achieve things and do things on their own. And then you don't, you don't want them like, there's this weird balance. Like you don't want them to feel like you have to be there for them to be able to do it. But then like you ought, cause you want to see them be able to succeed on their own to some extent. But it's also this balancing act of times that I feel like when, the more you build them up, the more you have yeah. to do it differently. Like it can't always be, I can't always be your your biggest fan on this because you've got to, you've got to believe in yourself a little bit. I tell this. that to my oldest son all the time. It's like, you got like fight for yourself here, you know, yeah. like do it. I, I think that I also wonder too, sometimes about, you know, my children coming to me later in life, they came to me with, with, um, not, I don't like the word baggage, but they came with, with life. issues and life that I had no involvement in. Right. I had to love them unconditionally with that. Yeah. And my goal each day is just to not screw them up anymore. Yeah. You know, to really, and that's hard sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I don't have quite that story, but I still feel like there's days where I'm like, I don't know that I left you better today than I found you this morning. Right. Right. And like, in theory, that should always be what the goal is, is to. Sometimes not making them better should be the goal. Sometimes not making them worse. (laughs) (laughs) Keeping the plateau going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's fair. It's probably unrealistic to think that we're always going to be better, but that we're not any worse than we were when we started the day. Good. So to answer your question, take all of that good shit I just said in the last like two minutes, <laughs> compile it into a few sentences, and that's today's dad, right? Perfect. That's my dad. Well, when you are ready to record your video answer of that for me, you can <sighs> tighten that up for yourself. I will do that, yeah. <laughs> you got it, brother. Well, Simon, thank you for taking the time to talk with us about this, man. Um, I think your story is, like I said at the beginning, it's humbling, it's inspiring. I think you are a phenomenal human being for taking on the journey that you've taken on. Um, I think that you are making a big difference in six people's lives on a daily basis. And that's, that's pretty cool, man. I mean, that's, thank you. there's a lot to be said for that. So that's very kind. Yeah, man, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'll come back. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have to catch up with you after your, uh, surgery and everything. And once sure. these endeavors kind of get rolling a little bit more and get an update on some of it, but, um, before we totally take off, I said earlier, you know, that people can find you on Instagram at, at Simon Hall Private Chef, but why don't you tell the folks where they can find you other ways or other thing, anything else you want to don't share? Don't show up at front? my house. Don't show up at his house. No, but you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. Okay. Perfect. Those are, those are the only social media outlets I use. But yep. Yeah. And then, um, you can find me. Simon Hall Private is his website if you're in need of. Catering. Some catering and yeah. um, some bougie catering. Some bougie catering. Yeah, he makes good food. I'm not gonna lie. Mm. I'm not gonna lie. Um, you can DM else, me man? some comments too, people. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Throw it his way. Yep. Talk shit. I'll share it with everybody if I if I think it's inappropriate or if I don't <laughs> like it. Cool. All right, brother. Well, thank you for your time, and we will uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. See you later. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to our very first Dad to Dad Dad Talk. A huge thank you to Simon Hall. Thank you for your story and your time. 
We're really looking forward to interviewing some more awesome dads and sharing their stories with you very soon. We hope you enjoyed this week's Dad to Dad Dad Talk, but if not, wake, dad, drink, repeat. Cheers, everyone. Cheers, folks. Thanks for listening. Please review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow our community. Be sure to get social with us on Facebook and Instagram, or you can check out our website at wakedaddrinkrepeat.com. 